This is For Your Reference, a sports reference podcast. Welcome back to For Your Reference, a sports reference podcast. If you're new here, this podcast is a place where we can break down the unique and fascinating stories that our team has uncovered over 20 years of bringing you the reference sites you know and love. My name is Charlotte. I'm on the data team at Sports Reference, and I am very excited about this episode's topic. It's one that was high on my list of stories I wanted to share. I'm a little nervous I won't do it justice. We're going to be talking about the basketball playing Ball Brothers and their reality show, Ball in the Family. So we do have pages on our basketball reference website and our CBB college basketball website for the Ball Brothers, but that just does not even tell half the story of the cultural phenomenon that is the Ball family. Um, And so I've asked my colleague, Mike, the head of the data team here at Sports Reference to join me. Um, hey, Mike. Charlotte, how you doing? Uh, thank you for having me on. Um, it's an honor uh, to be here to talk about uh, our first family here in America. Amazing. Yes. So I guess we'd start with maybe just giving our, our listeners a little background on who the Ball family is. And I'll let you know, Mike is not a fan of the reality show as I am. Um, I've been a dedicated watcher and, and fan for the past few years. Um, But Mike is the basketball expert here. And so he knows a little bit about how the family relates to the basketball landscape. Yeah. So I haven't seen the show, um, but by the end of our conversation here, maybe um, I'll be trying to find out where it's streaming or like something like that to check it out. Um, I guess like to give a brief overview of the family um, as Listeners probably know LeBar Ball is the father, um, and he was um, he's uh, has grandiose visions of himself and his family. Um, he was a, a college basketball player in the mid '80s, uh, mostly at JUCOs. Uh, spent a year at Washington State. Um, also played a little bit of college football, um, and I think he played in. The WLAF as well, which uh, when I was growing up was known as the What a Laugh League um, due to the uh, acronym there. Um, and he, so he's he's got three sons um, who are great basketball players. He was very involved with um, in raising them and teaching them how to play the game and promoting how great they are. Um, and they are in order. Lonzo, um, who is 24, he's a a point guard with with the Bulls, uh, you know, like your classic kind of pass first point guard. Although he's quite tall, he's about six six or so. The second son is Leangelo Ball, um, who is a year younger and is currently in the G League. Um, he is, is is probably the least famous member of the family. Um, ran into some trouble in his past and um, did not play in college um, or at the highest levels yet of the pros, but um, is still trying to break through. And then the youngest um, is um, LaMelo Ball, um, who probably the the best player in the family. Um, He seems like he might be on like the cusp of like superstardom here. Um, I believe he's entering his third season in the NBA this year. Was rookie of the year two years ago, uh, made a pretty big leap last year. And sort of if he follows that trajectory, I mean, you might be talking about um, a top 15 to 20 player 
pretty soon sort of like like uh lonzo he's you know like a unique blend of size at about six six or six seven uh with great vision uh but he's like a little bit more offensive minded than lonzo uh probably doesn't play as good at defense um but people don't pay as much attention to that either they're very clever and very just like exciting young player who makes a lot of passes uh that end up on the highlights amazing thank you for that breakdown and thank you for starting with lavar he is uh definitely a key piece of the family i think if you just kind of did a quick scan of oh it's a show about three basketball playing brothers you might think that that's the main focus but it is not it is you know, there would be no show without LeVar. And he did play, you know, sort of minimally himself. And we have his stats from his 1D one year before he went off to Cal State LA, which is a D2 school where he played with his brothers and maybe a little bit of a conspiracy here, but I think maybe that's where he got an idea of, I can create a new set of brothers that will dominate, not just, you know, the D2 division, but will go on to play together in the NBA. Um, And that's also where he met his wife and the mother of the three boys, who was also a college basketball player at Cal State LA. And he's said in many interviews that uh, one of the reasons he chose her was because she was 6'1 and because she played basketball. And he knew that that would set him up on the best path to create future (laughs) athletes. You gave a great overview of where they are now, which is, you know, two players in the NBA and one brother who's sort of on the cusp of potentially seeing some time in the NBA soon, you know, he's at least uh, gotten some tryouts with teams and and appeared on in the G League. But back when the family's reality show started, I'll give a little bit of background. It was August 2017. And it was right after the oldest brother had been drafted. His draft night is featured at the beginning of the first season. And at that point, He had just gone through Chino Hills High School and then one year at UCLA and then gotten drafted. And the two younger brothers were at Chino Hills, but committed to UCLA. And the dad was like, I've got a solid plan. My three boys are going, you know, from public high school in LA to UCLA, and then they're all going to play for the Lakers. Done deal. That's that was what he set up. He, you know, is on the show pointing to the spot in his living room where he's going to put up a giant painting of his three sons wearing three Lakers jerseys. So I guess I I have you here for a, a little bit of a reality check. How realistic is it that all three of his sons could end up on the Lakers? I don't do you see any impediments to this vision he presents at the beginning of the show. I mean, I guess um, the clearest path right would be sort of like if one of them could turn into Giannis um because I sort of feel like you know Giannis is such a great player that uh you know he has two brothers that are sort of like not really NBA caliber players uh and I believe the pronunciation is Thanasis um and Kostas um who yeah they are all a lot bigger than the Ball brothers right um but you know, I, I like sort of think that sometimes it's goodwill towards Giannis um, when they get roster spots and things like that. So, like, I think that in my like opinion, the clearest path to the NBA for Leangelo would be if Lamelo and Lonzo were ever teammates, and Lamelo say, I don't, you know, it could be anywhere from three to seven years away. Like, if if he is like one of those guys, right, that like you build a team around, um, and he can be 
a centerpiece of a champion. Um, he's not there yet, but I mean, he's so good right now. And I think he's, is he like 20 years old still, maybe 21? Um, he's, he's, he's still really young to be such a good player, still growing into his body a bit. So like, it's, it's conceivable maybe that he gets to that high level um, where Leangelo could maybe be along for the ride a bit. Like it, it, there's just, I feel like they're, after you get past the first X number of players, whether that is 100 or 150 or maybe even 75, there is just this, this wide range of players um, that are all like very, very close um, in skill. And a lot of times it is, you know, um, being willing to buy into a role that is lesser. Um, like you may have a player with less talent, but he's willing to be that 12th guy and is great at that. He's not going to rock the boat. And like, it could conceivably be that that player is, Hey, uh, this is the brother of our like great player. Um, and it will make him a lot happier if this guy's on the roster. Right. And so I, to me, I, I think that would be the clearest path for Leangelo, um, who kind of hasn't, he, he was not the same level of recruit out of high school. Um, then he got himself into trouble before his UCLA career started. And he sort of hasn't distinguished himself too much in the G league or the summer league. You know, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's there, uh, but he, you know, you, you sort of have to really like dominate those levels, uh, like to like really make it through to the show sometimes. Sure. And we'll definitely get to that trouble that Leangelo got in in a minute. Um, and the idea of having all the boys on the same team is obviously LeVar's plan for how they will all get to the NBA. He's saying all the time how many more points Lonzo would score if if only he had a shooter to pass to like Leangelo. Um, so I guess I, I do want to get back a little bit to the show that's, that starts out kind of at this high point where the first one's been drafted. And I think ultimately the reason they got the show was because LeVar had made such a name for himself. You know, there's, you know, like you mentioned with Giannis and his brothers, there's many great brother uh, duos, trios, whatever in basketball, but they don't all have a father like LeVar who is uh, going on radio shows saying my kid's better than Steph Curry. I could be, uh, I could be MJ one-on-one things like that. Um, and then he negotiates to get this reality show, which, um, I should say hasn't aired since 2020. So they had a nice little like three year run there. Um, and he was the producer of it. And I watched this show every you know week or every time it was on. And I would actually come to sports reference and give recaps in the lunchroom uh, when I was an intern here. And I was always just trying to convey to you guys like how hilarious I thought this show was. I just thought there was sort of like you know, an inherent ego and even having your own reality show in order to promote your own uh, brand, the the BBB big baller brand. Um, and, you know, the way I saw it, they're just traveling around the world playing basketball. And there's just so many like absurd moments. Um, geography is not their strong suit, which was always very funny to me. Um, we have a scene where Lamelo arrives uh, for Lonzo's game in Philadelphia, and he uh, says that Philadelphia is a state, not a city. We have the the brothers landing in Lithuania and finding out the name of their new city and the team that they're going to be playing for. Like in the car ride after they've landed, they absolutely cannot pronounce the name of the city. 
you know, and then uh, Lonzo comes to visit them and he says, well, welcome to the the beautiful city of Lithuania. To me, this is just like gold. I think it's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) So I spent a lot of time just trying to like tell everybody at Sports Reference how absurd that I thought this show was. And then when I was doing the research for this podcast, which I thought was going to be another chance for me to be like, how amazing and funny and ridiculous is this show? I'm going to surprise you, Mike. I actually had kind of like a total change of heart and saw things a little bit differently. So basically, I, I know. Yeah. So what I ended up finding was there was actually a lot of uh, reviews that were taking the show very seriously. I mean, it, it did very well. The first episode had... 20, Sounds like prestige television to me, yeah. 26 million views on the first episode. You can still watch it, by the way. It's on, on Facebook Watch. And um, it won a, a Webby Award, a People's Voice winner in 2018 in the film and video reality category. And what a lot of these reviewers were saying was, hey, LeVar's kind of like on the cutting edge of the player empowerment era. Like he's got the right idea, the right mindset in producing his own content and, you know, owning his own brand. And he's really setting his sons up for success. I even saw comparisons of LeVar Ball to Taylor Swift owning her own music, saying that he's kind of doing the same thing with his sons. And, um, you know, one of the big things that Big Brawler brand did was, that they had signature shoes for all three boys. And uh, Lonzo did wear his signature shoes his first season with the Lakers, although he has later said on uh, his teammate Josh Hart's podcast that he had to switch them out every quarter because they would rip. Um, oh, man. I Weren't those the shoes that cost like maybe like five or $600 too? They did. They did. Oof. I know. Uh, in that range, I think, yeah, five or $600. They currently have shoes available up in that like $900 range, but they did also make a lower cost version of the ZO2s that was about 200. They've definitely tried some different different price points, but I'm kind of coming around to it and I'm thinking it's kind of incredible like how close this was to working if it didn't absolutely fall apart. Like it almost could have been amazing. Yeah, I mean, I I do feel like um, he blazed a pretty unique trail for his kids. And like, you know, obviously the most important factor being that Lonzo and LaMelo are like really, really good basketball players, right? Um, But, uh, you know, I I, I think that he created an awareness around them uh, that was pretty unbelievable. Um, I wonder um, if... I think that there was at least a point there at which um, there was a little bit of danger that like LaMelo was maybe um, downgraded a bit just due to the circus. Um, And the path that he took was so unconventional um, that I think like, if I recall correctly and, you know, with the caveat here that I think he was like a junior in high school at the time, basically, like when he was in Lithuania, um, there was some struggles, right? Like it, it's not like he was a great player over there, but he was also probably like a 16 year old kid playing against grown men. So what exactly do you expect? Um, and there was like a lot of questions about him when he went to Australia, um, you know, that, that, that he just wasn't playing the game the right way. Uh, but, you know, I mean, he went over there and he, one rookie of the year and put up huge numbers and 
got himself, uh, you know, he, he was picked very early in, in the draft, I think like second or third overall. Um, and so it definitely all worked out for them. Yeah. The, I, when I was researching for this episode, I definitely came across a bunch of clips of, you know, Stephen A saying, you know, his, his father's writing checks that he can't cash, you know, like he could be a great player if, you know, his dad wasn't out here, you know, saying crazy things. You know, if your dad's saying you're going to be better than Steph Curry, that's a little bit hard to live up to. Um, so I guess I, I do want to get into it. Basically some of the pivots, how do we get from episode one? They're on this perfect path, you know, UCLA to all three of them playing on the Lakers um, to kind of where we've ended up now. And so when the show starts, that's actually kind of like, you know, this high point where everyone's like, I don't know, like we thought LeVar was crazy, but like son number one just got picked by the Lakers number two overall, like maybe all three will <laughs> right? go there. Like, you know, you don't, you don't want to be the one caught with your foot in your mouth if it actually comes true. And it's really only like a month later, or I guess a few months after the draft, but you know, the beginning of the first season that we have Leangelo on a preseason basketball trip with his new UCLA team to China, where he steals a pair of Louis Vuitton sunglasses, gets detained. It's unclear if he'll ever leave China. This is like the the huge pivot point. I actually found an interview of LeVar from May 2022. So this year where he's saying, you know, if that hadn't happened, we he would have stayed at UCLA. The youngest brother would have also gone to UCLA. We would have continued on that straight path if he hadn't, you know, done that one stupid thing that di diverted the whole course. That's that's really interesting because I was sort of wondering, like, um, is the reason basically that Lamelo didn't end up going to UCLA simply because of the like bad experience that his uh, that his uh, older brother had there, um, and like if that one event sort of is what you know that, that yeah, I mean what what you just said that he, that he said there just like sort of confirms um, that the plan was for them to like both to play with each other there. Leangelo like almost definitely wouldn't have left UCLA after his freshman year like Lonzo did just because he wasn't that kind of recruit. Um, so they probably would have been teammates there. Yeah, I mean, LeVar had a whole, you know, he turned on UCLA and and it, I don't think he would have said this at the time, but I guess a few years later now he's saying that really was the tipping point. Um, I see. And, you know, things would have just been, you know, totally different. And um, yeah, so at this point, you, he does he does get back to the U.S. with some help from President Trump, I guess, asked the Chinese president for a favor. They negotiate something. He gets to come back to the U.S., but UCLA has him suspended indefinitely. And his dad's like, that's not going to work for us. Plan B. And he figures out he can get them uh, an overseas contract in Lithuania. And you might be thinking, that seems out of left field. Um, they did consider other countries, but... I think they had sort of a steep list of demands, including guaranteed playing time for both brothers. Uh, and the dad came to every practice and uh, sideline coached, which I don't know if that would have been welcomed in every every situation. <laughs> yeah, the Lithuanian season of the show, possibly my favorite season. If you're going to watch anything, it's amazing. There's so many good moments. We've got, you know, the 
mayor, I think, of the the Lithuanian town they're in, comes for a photo op. He brings Lavar this giant bag of pasta, promises he'll treat them better than Donald Trump. Um, we've got the coach just like yelling at the team in Lithuanian. Mm, I hope that's that might not be the language. Yelling at them in the locker room and not English. And the boys are just like absolute blank stares. They understand nothing that's happening. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's a very funny season to me, <laughs> um, but they don't leave on very good terms. Like I said, uh, LeVar had a lot of uh, stipulations. He kind of pushes him, his way in and asks to be a guest head coach ha- halfway through the season and starts coaching the team in the locker room. <laughs> and uh, after they leave Lithuania, which they, they pull out a little earlier than they had initially negotiated, I think. And then the team that had, you know, really welcomed them and like rolled out the red carpet says did not end on good terms. They accused them of like reneging on financial commitments. And they apparently had presented shooting machines as gifts that they then like revoked and took back with them. Yeah. <laughs> that was from a, a press statement from the club saying like, we're mad that they took back the gifted shooting machines. <laughs> <laughs> so the ball family gave the team the gift and then took it back. Right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I, I guess it was also part of the deal that the ball, the big baller brand paid off like a hundred thousand dollars in debts for the Lithuanian club team. So, and then I guess maybe didn't fully complete all their financial commitments. So it definitely got messy towards the end, but LeVar was on to bigger and better. His next thing was the JVA. Have you heard about this little detour? Was that like the sort of league that he started out of nowhere? Um, it didn't end up working. I I feel so like I followed um, all of these stories, like sort of like passively, you know, like I read news about basketball. And so all of these things sort of like uh, echo to me, but I don't explicitly remember them. It, it, I'm guessing that the JBA is like, that league that he made up yeah so he's still mad about ucla not letting his kid play and he's like there's got to be a path for kids to get to the nba without having to go through college i want to create an alternate path and so he creates jba junior basketball association of course sponsored by the big baller brand uh they have a logo that's an outline of lonzo ball the oldest brother um there's just so many like funny things about this to me but he has eight teams all the teams are called the ballers we've got the los angeles ballers the houston ballers the seattle ballers etc and uh the idea is that these guys will get paid and then they'll have a path to to potentially getting signed to a professional team although i went through every roster for all eight teams and i could not identify any player that has made it to the nba or I, I believe at least one or two have signed to uh, international pro teams. I couldn't track down everything, but nobody in the NBA. Anyways, they were supposed to get paid about $1,000 a month. Um, and they were supposed to get a percentage of sales from their jerseys, which would get up to like three to 10000 a month. Although the jerseys never actually ended up going for sale. You know, a few a few minor things just didn't quite work out here. Um, They did have a championship and they said the team that won the championship would all get Cadillacs. Um, And 
wouldn't you know, the Los Angeles Ballers with uh, the two younger brothers, Leangelo and LaMelo, won the, the JVA championship. They were on the team that got Cadillacs. So I can't I say that sounds terribly surprising. Uh, I would be surprised if any of the other players got their Cadillacs, but um, maybe that's coming next. Yeah, I, I actually don't have a follow-up on that. I will, I'll have to look into that one. Um, I thought it was pretty funny because an earlier season of the, the show, actually before Leangelo even started at UCLA, they go to a Ferrari dealership to get the boys' cars. So they're already driving Ferraris. I don't know if they're too worried about the Cadillacs, but great news, their team wins. Uh, JBA does not ever get to a, a season number two. The league falls apart. A bunch of former players came forward and complained that they uh, basically like gave up their eligibility because now they had been paid to play. So now they couldn't play in um, in college teams and they'd given up their eligibility for only like a thousand dollars or they didn't even get paid the full amount they were supposed to. So Another, you know, failed venture, failed detour on the path to getting all his boys to the NBA. And then, like you mentioned, there's another detour or two. We do have Lamelo going abroad for a year in Australia, and that's after he does a year at Spire Academy. I don't know if you remember that detour. Uh, you know, I hadn't remembered that he went to Spire Academy, but I do remember that that's uh, they sent some players to some big colleges i think that's in like ohio is it mm-hmm. okay yeah, there's some funny scenes where he shows up to get a tour of spire and he like opens the door they're like we're gonna take you to the other gym or the practice facility it's just a wall of snow and he's like not for <laughs> me and this is after he just spent a season in lithuania and uh it was the year of the like polar vortex so um when he was at Spire Academy for one year, he was considered sort of like a second round pick is what a lot of people were saying. And after he went and won rookie of the year in the Australian league, he started to get attention as a potential number one pick. And, you know, my personal theory is that like, maybe he just needed to thaw out. Like he finally was able to warm up and actually play basketball. But um, yeah, Throughout this whole thing, like all the detours, Lavar's just remains like absolutely, you know, um, bold, brash, will never admit that he's wrong. He says, you know, my plan is still in effect, still going to get all three boys on the Lakers, never doubted it for a second. Um, in the run up to the draft, he says, Mel is going to go number one. Of course, he doesn't. He ends up going number three. And Lavar says, don't worry about it. I was never wrong. I was actually absolutely correct because he did go number one. He's going to number one because uh, the team he's going to, the Charlotte Hornets, is owned by Michael Jordan, number one greatest of all time. He was picked by number one, therefore he's number one. The logic doesn't quite hold for me, but he goes on to say at the end of this speech, he's going to win rookie of the year easily, which we know he did go on to do. Yeah, that's that kind of gets us to the end of the show. Of course, things have changed a little bit since then. Um, we have the, the oldest and youngest brother still playing in the NBA, and then the middle brother um, has continued to, to get some opportunities but has not made it to the NBA yet. So, And then what else is interesting is obviously the big baller brand part of it, which the big baller brand still exists, but it's basically just LeVar now. It's the rest of it's kind of fallen apart. Um, Lonzo left the brand because he found out that LeVar's business partner, the co-founder of the brand, um, 
was a you know longtime criminal who'd been involved in like Ponzi schemes and stole 1.5 million dollars from the big baller brand. So uh, it's maybe not surprising that after you know dealing with uh, subpar quality on the products, on the shoes, and then finding out how much money he lost, um, because Lonzo was the number one investor in big baller brand his uh his nba contract was sort of the source of funds as best i can tell so unsurprising he leaves the brand and his he kind of has the ear of his younger brother lamello and he's telling lamello hey you know when i got drafted i didn't get to sign with a shoe company um maybe you should kind of consider all your options and so LaMelo ends up signing a huge $100 million contract with Puma. And it's just kind of interesting that the way that it all fell apart because LaVar's, you know, original idea was, hey, you know, for decades, we've seen the biggest stars in basketball not kind of own their own image, you know, think about the money that's been made off of Air Jordans, but Air Jordan is owned by Mikey. Oh my goodness, by Nike, not Michael Jordan. And so he was trying to set up something different for his kids. And it it kind of came close to working, but ultimately was a huge disaster. The big baller brand, you might think it's on its last legs, but they're still still fighting, still pushing. They have a website. You can still go buy their merchandise. And I just wanted to maybe see if you could guess some of the things that they're selling. Obviously t-shirts, sweatshirts, big ball with big baller brand branding, but I've, I've got three. I want you to guess which one of these three is not a product they're selling. Okay. I promise not to cheat. Okay. So number one, we have BBB racing stealth motorcycle gloves, $350. Next I have the BBB Go Gorilla Faux Sherling Sherpa Suit, $300. Next, I have the BBB Stay in Yo Lane Hot Sauce, only $15. I'm going to um, I'm gonna say the hot sauce is fake. Um, it's not very big baller uh, to only spend $15 on your hot sauce. Um, you got to spend at least a couple hundred dollars on your hot sauce, right? Mike, I set you up. They were all real. Oh, man. I know. So, and, and I had, um, the, the one other thing I felt like I could not end this podcast without sharing was in the process of rewatching some of these episodes, the insights that I got on their diets were absolutely incredible. If we ever do an episode about like Tom Brady and LeBron's like crazy salmon health diets, whatever, we have got to include the ball brothers as a counterpoint. We've got Lonzo repeatedly going out to like fancy restaurants like steakhouses and saying don't give me any sides none of that mashed potato broccoli nonsense I just want french fries he does occasionally order a salad but if he does he says I just want lettuce cheese and ranch nothing else those three ingredients that's it we've got a mellow just like continually talking about McDonald's he finds out he's going on this trip to China he's like I don't like Chinese food. I hope they have McDonald's. Going to eat that 10 out of the 10 days that I'm there. Jello thinks he's not going to survive in Lithuania. He finds out they have KFC. He's like, all good. That's where I'm going to go every day. 
his girlfriend comes to visit him and he decides to, you know, switch it up, go a little bit nicer. He takes her to the Lithuanian Hooters. Absolutely one of my favorite episodes. So yeah, the food situation is just the funniest little side note that I that I noticed. Yeah, you know what? Perhaps I gave too much of a chance to that uh, possibility of Leangelo uh, like getting into the league um, if Lamelo becomes one of the top players out there. So uh, it, yeah, it, probably going to require a switch up of the diets there, I guess. Yeah. Whew. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing in my absolute like number one topic that I wanted to hit on this podcast. It's been great to have somebody to to bounce off of it and hear my hear the thoughts on it and thanks for sharing your insight into the basketball side of things uh if you've enjoyed this episode please consider subscribing if you have any thoughts ideas please reach out to us at podcast at sportsreference.com thanks <laughs>